0: Hey everyone, I'm Adam Rappaport, and this is a bonus episode of the B.A. Foodcast. We are still recording remotely, but there will be better audio coming next week. For today, we called up Edward Lee, chef and owner of 610 Magnolia, Milkwood and Whiskey Dry in Louisville, as well as Succotash in Washington, D.C. Uh, Ed has been on the front lines, trying to address some of the devastation that has hit the restaurant industry in the last couple of weeks. Uh, He started by turning 610 Magnolia into something like a soup kitchen, Preparing and serving hundreds of meals a night for the hospitality community through his nonprofit, the Lee Initiative. Ed's is one of many heroic efforts happening across the nation right now. And We are going to do our best to continue bringing you the stories of those being affected by what's going on, both on the podcast and in our coverage on Bonapartee.com. There's a link in today's show notes that will direct you to our Restaurant Diaries feature. That we've been updating online every day with new and evolving news regarding the struggles and challenges facing restaurants across the nation. For now, we are very grateful to Ed for all he's been doing and for taking the time to talk to us. One note, however, there are a few curse words scattered throughout the interview, so if anyone sensitive is listening, maybe save this for your own ears. All right, here's Ed Lee. Ed Lee, first and foremost, how are you doing?
1: Uh, under the circumstances, I'm holding it together uh, as best I can. And and where are you right now? Uh, Louisville.
0: Oh, so you're back in Louisville. Mm-hmm. Have you been to Louisville all the time, or back and forth from DC, or what? What's, it's, what's
1: it's the- been weird. Uh, uh, I was just telling your producer my car is actually at JFK Airport, and I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I drove actually- to the airport, flew somewhere, thinking I'd be back. I'm now, you know, somehow got back to Louisville. I got to get my car out. And I just don't know what to do. I, obviously, I don't want to fly to JFK just to get my car. But so, anyway, just amongst the many other crazy things that's happening,
0: I had not thought about short-term parking at airports as one of the side effects of this whole crisis. But I guess that is one. Um, hopefully, you're not racking up some serious bills there.
1: Yeah, I'm hoping there's a relief uh, package on the on the car parking. But we'll see. yeah, well, yeah, keep hoping.
0: So uh, what I what, what I would like to do is maybe today's Wednesday, the 25th. March yes. 25th how about we rewind two weeks to mm-hmm. March 11th and now was the night that I think it coalesced for a lot of people how serious this was going to be it's when the NBA canceled their season it's when Tom Hanks tweeted that he and his wife had tested positive for coronavirus what were you doing that night and what have the weeks been like since
1: um, we were obviously I was still in Louisville and um, you know to be quite honest Business was usual. That coming weekend, the fourteenth and fifteenth, we had a really busy weekend. Everything was kind of running normal, and in some ways, being in Kentucky, you you live in a bit of a bubble, um, mm-hmm. and things always trickle down, and they're a little delayed, and and there's always this perception of that's happening out in the world. It'll take a few weeks before things trickle down to us, and. Um, it was, it was very surreal watching it all. And we thought, great. But we've got a few weeks to prepare for this. And, and we'll figure out what's going to happen. But we had a few cancellations um, that coming weekend. Um, but other than that, things were normal. You know, we were already hearing about the lockdowns and the shutdowns. And, and I thought, it's, it's going to happen in Kentucky. It's just going to maybe take a little longer. The fact is, it didn't take any longer. It happened on uh, the 15th. Of March, which was um, I mean, right after Ohio, right after Illinois, right after California,
0: was it a state order that restaurants? It was, had to a, close? It was a
1: state order shutdown at the end of uh, like it was like sundown on the fifteenth or like after service on the fifteenth, which was that Sunday. So, uh, what was the
0: first? What was the first thing that went through your head when you heard that? What do you do?
1: You know, it's all those things, right? It was shock, panic, depression. This isn't happening. What's, you know, I, and, and I think for, for myself and, and for many people, um, the first thing that happens is a very selfish uh, reaction. It's like, what's going to happen to me? Mm-hmm. What's going to happen to my finances? What's going to happen to me? And, um, you know, I am very fortunate to have an incredible wife and an incredible child and a family that, that uh, doesn't let me wallow for very long in my <laughs> shit. And um, quickly she was like, you, you, it's not about you. Like there's, there's more out there. And it was literally about an hour of just being depressed. And it was then like, what, what do we do? What do we do with the hundreds of people that I employ? How many
0: properties do you own and how many employees through those properties?
1: So three, three in Louisville, which have about a total of, you know, roughly 200 employees. And then two in DC, which have... About roughly 200 employees, so 400, you know, all told. And, and DC was shut down at the same time as well. So, so what, it, so what do you do? I mean, do you have to send an email out saying, "Hey, everybody, you don't have jobs anymore"? Or how did yeah, what was that process? That that was exactly the process. It was, and and I think most chefs did the same thing. All of my long-term employees, all of the people that were on salary with me, I said, "You are safe for now," and and this is. You have to understand. This is an hour. I mean, we hadn't even. I mean, the the ovens were still hot. You know. I mean, we still had microgreens in my walk-in, and I'm sending emails out saying, you know. And the first thing is, I don't know. I don't know the future, but I am. I am your leader. I'm. I'm the one that runs this company, and I'm going to bear the burden. The first thing I said was, I am suspending my pay. Period, that's the first thing. Second thing was anyone who is on salary is safe for now and for as long as I can do financially. When you say people who are on salary within a restaurant
0: group like yours, what does that mean? Does that mean management typically or what sort of positions are on salary?
1: Management, head chefs, uh, longtime chefs, uh, you know, managers, uh, floor managers, you know, people, people of that nature. Basically, anyone that's been with me for more than two years is probably on salary. So we keep them safe. And and anyone that is an hourly, uh, which means that someone who works part time or gets paid by the hourly uh, was laid off. um, Just like that, without warning, without notice, without any you know I mean we felt it coming but but there was no preparation there was no time there was no soft landing it it just happened I said as best as I can anyone who needs to stay on payroll make a case for yourself because there is no work at this point it's coming out of my pocket make a case for yourself and, and I will try my best and so you know, the wheels in my head start to spin and say, well, how do I possibly keep some of these people? Employed? What do we do? Do we do takeout meals? Do we, so, so I mean, we had about two hours to pivot and say, well, what, what can we do? So Monday morning, we started to just transform all our kitchens and say, which restaurants are closed? Which ones are going to do takeout? How many people can we employ? How many people can we save? And amidst that, my director of operations for my nonprofit, the Lee Initiative, Uh, is a woman named Lindsay of And she is working with Maker's Mark because we have a nonprofit, uh, the Women's Chef Initiative. Uh, So our partner is Maker's Mark. Uh, And we do a very lovely program, but it is a nonprofit that employs two people. It's two people and myself, like on an email every now and then. And she called me Monday afternoon and said, because what we started doing on Monday was turning 610 Magnolia, shutting it down, turning it into a relief kitchen. And we were going to feed our staff, um, the people that we knew we had to lay off and we're going to give them all the leftover food and everything. And she called me and said, makers heard what you're doing. They want to know if we can expand this program. And I mean, this is less than 12 hours after we shut down our restaurants. Uh, So we had an emergency meeting. We called them. I, I took the next four hours and wrote out all the logistics. Um, Lindsay got together and just called everyone she knew and at Makers. We had this crazy meeting, and we said, you realize that this is not a Louisville problem, that this is not a New York problem or D.C. This is going to be a nationwide problem. And all of these hourly workers, that and, and everyone I talked to did the same thing. I'm going to save my salaried people. I have to lay off my hourlies. And we just said, I don't know how many, but these are millions of people across the nation that are all of a sudden without a job, and these are the people that live week to week that rely on their paycheck. What's gonna happen to them? I mean, we 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 just went from being a family, a community, a restaurant group that was expanding to, oh, we got to turn our backs on these people now and and lay them off and just protect our own. And I for once said, "I, I can't imagine these people who get forgotten and in four weeks or five weeks or six weeks we call them back and go, hey, remember us, you wanna come work for us again? they are not gonna come back and work for us. And if they do, they're not gonna do it with the same passion, loyalty, uh, uh, and, and verve um, if we turn our backs on them now. And so I said, we, we, we have to do something. I don't know what it is, but we have to do something. Last year, when, when, when the TSA workers were laid off, um, we turned our kitchen into a relief kitchen and we fed them for about three weeks. And, and so we had that business model already in place. Mm-hmm. So I said, why don't we just do that? It's the same exact thing. It's kitchen, everyone comes at night, we give them box meals to go, it's hot, it's free, and we give them a bag of groceries and supplies. Except instead of TSA workers, it's now our own. Maker said that they would cover the costs of the
0: groceries or help pay for some of the people who would work or what was their involvement?
1: Yeah, they basically gave us the seed money You know, we we quickly priced it out and said, okay, if I put four people in the kitchen, two people in the front of the house, this is how many meals I can do every day, Uh, and it calculated out to about two hundred and fifty to three hundred, you know, depending on 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 the market. Uh, And if we price it out that way, look at the meals, the cost, everything. This is how much it costs. And Maker said, fine, we can give you enough to run it for two weeks. To Um, to run just Magnolia or the other restaurants, or what was the scale? Just Magnolia for two weeks. They said, on Monday, they said, we have enough money to give you for, for one week. And I said, I'll take it. That's, that's not, not bad. I'll take anything. So I took their money. We did it on Tuesday night was the first night that we did it. We were going to feed 250 people, 400 people lined up. Families, you know, you know, grown men, people we knew, you know, lined up we opened the kitchen at 5 p.m. and people came at 4:15 to line up wow cuz they they knew that they, they were panicking and and make the the reps from makers were there and they saw it and they saw you know it was it wasn't just about the food at that point it was like there was someone there just telling them that we're we're here for you we got you and and, and don't do anything crazy like it was just such a panic mode and and they saw it they saw what we were doing and they quickly went back and, and I got a hand to like, like the people at makers went back to Rob Samuels, the owner and said, we can't, this isn't a little, we we gotta get them more money. So by Tuesday morning, um, they called us and said, we're pulling our marketing funds from every region in America. And we're going to see if, can you replicate this? And so I said, I, yeah, I have, I have two people on staff, but I don't know. Sure. And so, you know, we, we, we just, uh, we called Nancy Silverton was the first person we called and we said, could you do this in LA? And she's, she's didn't even hesitate. She said, sure. So she started in LA. Um, I activated my other restaurant in DC. Um, so those were the first three markets. Then we went to Cincy, uh, Eduardo Jordan in, in, in Seattle.
0: And so for each of those satellite markets, they the 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 concept was the same that they would feed all the staff that they had to let go, the, the staffs and their families.
1: Yeah, and, 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 and it out. wasn't the it wasn't the staff that they let go, it was now it turned into it's anyone in the restaurant business. Mm-hmm. Anyone, it's it's your your the the bartender at your local dive bar. It's, you know, the, the, the dishwasher at your family pizzeria joint that you take your family yeah. to on Sunday night, like anyone. And it turned out like, like in, in Louisville, as, as well as in L.A. and in New York, like it's a lot of immigrants. You yeah. know, a lot of immigrants are coming in and, and, and they're the ones that are most desperately in need. So Maker said, OK, here's the cities we need to we need to, um, uh, you know, it's a marketing budget. So they basically said, here are the cities we got money from. Can you go back to those cities and activate kitchens?
0: Did any chefs reach out to you and say, hey, Ed, how did you do this?
1: Yes. Yes, they have been. And, and, you know, when I have the free time, we basically send them our blueprints and we send them our our thing. And basically, you know, anyone in the food business now is dying, is just just dying. People who are in the liquor business, you know, they're not doing great, but they have surplus. They have a little bit of money. Uh, and we 've been seeing it, you know Tito's has been giving, Jamesons has been giving. and it just it, it's just a perfect partnership right now. They have money, they, they need to do something. Anyone that 's in restaurants are dying and, and they're people that are hungry. And so we need to activate kitchens so that kitchens can employ people, and then we, from the people they can and they can feed the hungry. And so the more we can get money from corporations, and I don't care if it comes from Whole Foods or, 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 you know, Tito's or, you know, Makers, like, like, but Makers was the first one that jumped on board and said, we got to do this. We got to do this nationwide. And so in, in six days, we're, we've now activated in 11 cities. Nancy Silverton in LA, Florida Jordan in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Who else? Paul Cahan in Chicago. Um, i in the back and everything, yeah. He's doing it at a big star in Wicker Park. Okay, Linton Hopkins is doing it in Atlanta. Sorry, Donald Link is doing it in New Orleans. Ryan Lachane is just going to activate in Houston in like the next two days. Greg Backstrom is is in Brooklyn, New York, as well as uh Nate Adler at Gertie's, uh, which is just a cool. uh, you know, we feel like in, in New- and and we're actually trying to get more New- money for New York because just New York's a beast. I mean, and, yeah. and there's no way that one or two kitchen is going to make even a, a dent in, in New York. So we're, we're trying to see what we can do over there. Um, but we're also trying to, you know, inspire other restaurants across the city to do a similar thing. Um, you know, if they can find the seed money, here's, here's the way I financed it. Here's the way I blueprinted it. You can follow that. Mo- and, and even for the ones that are in my program, you know, what I do is a guideline. What we say is, listen, you know, your community is better than me. You know, like in Louisville, we hand out diapers, we hand out hundreds of diapers every day because mostly families, you know, not so in New York and L.A. You know, they, they have different needs. So they're, they're finding they're pivoting and doing whatever they need for their community. Uh, and that's fine. You know, we're, we're, we're all just trying to do our best for these restaurant workers. And, and, and it's heartbreaking, man. It, there, there's so many people out there, you know, and there's so it's not like there's no city that's uh, immune to this. And so chefs are calling from every city going, hey, I I need help too. And I'm like, I know, I know. San Antonio needs help. Memphis needs help. You know, like every fucking city needs help. How do
0: you um, sort of reconcile that in your own
1: head, knowing
0: that you've done amazing work thus far in a short time, but there's still this mountain
1: of work to be done that? It's, it's, you yourself it's, can't do by yourself. Nothing no but but it's a coalition you know and, and we're seeing I mean obviously Jose Andre is doing incredible work through his kids' central kitchen. So he's expanding and now there are grassroots things popping up all over. you know listen e- e- even if some guy opens up a soup kitchen and feeds 50 people it's great you know but we have to like everyone when when this first started everyone thought okay we'll be on lockdown for two weeks uh and it'll be cool and then all of our uninsurance unemployment insurance will come in and we'll be fine and what we're slowly or quickly finding out is that's not the case every single day it seems like this is a four to six week lockdown you know all of my employees filed for unemployment on the first day and it crashed the system the infrastructure is not there. I don't know how long it's going to take. Yes, they'll get the money, but when? Will it be two weeks? Will it be four weeks? You know, when will they actually have that cash in hand? And in the meantime, today is the first day that my employees don't get their checks, right? So, so they miss their paycheck. That's when panic starts to really set in, you know, and, and that's when people do desperate things. We have to all help each other because the next level of... Chaos after this is really scary uh, when people think there's no hope at all. Um, and, and that's when society starts to break down. And, and, and we just can't have that.
0: Yeah. I mean, on the one upside, you know, late, late last night, the $2 trillion stimulus plan passed. And I, a lot of your colleagues, like yeah. Tom Plicchio and Andrew Carmelini yeah. and Sam Cass, were working really hard on that. And, and they're hopeful that at least in the long run, it, it'll yeah. help you guys get back on the feet back on your feet once this pandemic passes. I'm curious about the here and now. I mean, you're talking about a highly contagious disease. We just got word this morning that Floyd Floyd Cardo's yep. F passed away from the coronavirus. How nervous are you when you're out and about and you're with people and it's like, you know, we're all be, we're being told to social yep. distance and isolate and yet you're
1: sort of on the ground working every day. Yeah. It's nerve wracking. You put the safety of your workers at risk too and and that's part of the deal one of the things that with this program and we ask um and all the restaurants are the same and everyone is the same we tell every one of my staff every single day i remind them i said anytime you want to quit this go home it's okay and there's no there's no sense of like you're quitting there's no sense it's like anytime you feel any doubt it's okay like go home take care of yourself take care of your family if you feel like this is getting too much a mental strain and obligation. If you can't deal with it, it's fine. We'll, we'll figure it out. We're, we're, we're not, we're, there's nothing against you at all. But it's, it's, it's a complicated decision because it's not just about the employee, but if that employee,
0: like you said, you know, if they've got a wife or child or husband and kids, like it's a family decision because mm-hmm.
1: everyone's at risk theoretically. It is. Someone said this, I had a meeting this morning and someone said, uh, um, we're flying the plane as we build it. Yeah. Um, and, and that 's exactly what we 're doing, and every day we 're pivoting and, and now we 've gotten to the point where our, our, our next plan of action might be to stop cooking the hot meals to go and to just packaging to go kits you know dried pasta tomato sauce cheese and so now you need less people mm-hmm. um, you can really do you can you can hand out five hundred meals with like three people so every single day we 're adjusting we 're watching the news we 're pivoting we 're making sure that our, our first and foremost uh, concern is the safety of our employees and everyone that's there, and also the people that are coming to us and waiting online. That we're 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 having rules, and and uh, I will say, for the most part, with like you know, literally a handful of exceptions. Every, and we're feeding 300, 400 people a night. Every single person is following the rules, being very respectful of each other, just being very orderly uh, and very grateful. So, so we're, we're grateful for that. It, it, it's something I, I, I can't personally, you know, my staff and I and Lindsay, like we don't think about it as much. And, and part of it on a personal level for me is that I, I feel like if I don't stop making 400 phone calls away, a day, I'll fall into such a depression that I just have to keep this going. I have to feel like, you know, when, when you, it's, I think especially for chefs, we're such independent people, we never ask for help. We never, you know, we're the ones always helping and, and, and there's a sense of such helplessness right now that, um, you know, for me personally, I just need to keep this going for my own mental sanity because okay. the, the, the alternative is is pretty dark.
0: Well, for you listeners out there, if you want to help, Ed, uh, you can go to LeeInitiative.org. That's
1: L-E-E-Initiative.org where you can donate. Correct, Ed? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, Um, yeah, you know, if if anyone wants to, like, has a a hookup with supplies or anything, just contact us through Facebook or through Instagram or any of our accounts. Um, There are ways you can help out with supply donations and and not necessarily cash donations because we need those too.
0: All right. Well, Ed, thank you so much for taking the time and uh, keep doing amazing work. All
1: right. Thank you, man. I appreciate All right. it. Bye bye.
0: The Bon Appetit Foodcast is produced and edited by Emma Wartzman with additional programming help from Carrie Polis and Elise Inamine. Our theme music is by Nathaniel Wartzman. We have new episodes every Wednesday, and if you want to reach out to us about this episode or any other episode, email us at bonappetitfoodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.